Welcome into the Pursuit of Manliness podcast, where we are raising the standard on what it means to be a man of God. My name is Jarrett Samuels. I'm the host of the Pursuit of Manliness podcast. Men, thank you for taking time to listen to today's show. Today, we're going to talk about one of our favorite topics as men, and that is what we do for a living. But before I get into today's podcast, uh, I want to give a shout out to Fanning the Flames, who left a five-star review on iTunes. He said, uh, building up Christian men, this podcast helps men change their lives according to biblical truth. No squish talk here. If you want to improve your life, marriage, fatherhood, work, or whatever, according to a solid foundation, this is the podcast for you. Fanning the Flames. Thanks, man, for going uh, on January 16th of this year and leaving a five-star review. Brother, I really appreciate that. I know it takes a, a couple different steps to leave a review, but, man, you give you a you gave thought behind what you're saying, and, and it takes its effort. And I appreciate you men that do that. Um, it, once again, it communicates not only to iTunes, and I don't know how much they check this stuff, but I think it communicates to other guys who are considering what podcast they are going to listen to. So every, anytime you guys share a podcast episode or tell other men about it or, or anything of that nature, man, I really, really appreciate that. And as Fanning the Flame said, we I really do believe we should be able to talk about everything. As Christian men, everything should be on the table. And I want you to know the content that we're going to talk about with Pursuit of Manliness is driven towards Christian men, but I also hope it changes um, the narrative, changes the conversation behind what a Christian man is. And we're definitely going to get into that today a little bit uh, when we get into today's show talking about our work. For men, the leading question when we meet another guy is always, what do you do for a living, right? Now, why do we lead out in this? I, I think there's two very specific reasons why we lead out in this. And one, I don't think we would admit. The second one, I hope we can agree on. The first one that I don't think we would admit is we measure ourselves against the other guy's answer. We measure ourselves all the time against someone else's house, someone else's car, someone else's family. What Anything really is, is a measurable in our mind. But when we ask a guy, hey, man, what do you do for a living? They say, well, I'm an astronaut. Suddenly you're impressed. Suddenly you're intimidated. Listen, in ministry, this happens all the time. People say, well, how big is your church? We want to know how many people you got coming there. If you have thousands of people, we're now impressed. If you got, you know, a couple hundred, so what? Anyone can, anyone can do that, right? Uh, I remember once going to um, a church to um, watch what they were doing for their particular ministry. And while I was there, the, the person who knew I was coming to kind of observe what they were doing uh, had, really had no time for me. And it was I hate to say it, it was very disrespectful. The whole thing was disrespectful. Uh, but I said, you know what? I understand. I'm in ministry. It, it happens. And later on, once the, I think that the person got their bearings together, and I, I get mornings are challenging, came back and said, now, what church are you part of? And I told him the name of the church, which was a large church. And suddenly it was like the red carpet treatment. And there was someone with me on this trip. And, and as we were in kind of watching what they do, I said, come on, let's go. And and I left. And it wasn't like, um, you know, I'm, I was shunning them. But I just thought, you know what? You only once you knew the size of the place of where I was at, then it changed everything. And, and we shouldn't treat people that way. But that's what we do based on what they do for a living. We measure ourselves like, okay, well, I'm better than him, or I'm more educated than him, or I am, you know, got more years of experience than him. Uh, shame on us. We shouldn't do that at all. But the second reason I hope that we can agree on is it's biblical. God has wired us to work. We were created to work. And I want to say this as we get into this conversation today. If you're a man, you are without excuse to provide value in your work. Now, I get there are seasons of life I had a friend who uh, fell out of a tree stand while hunting, and for a year he was not physically able to work. Most of you have not fallen out of tree stands. That's not your excuse. Um, you need to find employment. 
And we're going to get into that more, the reason why that that's the case. But you need to be working. You're telling me if my wife makes three times more than me than I have to, I'm telling you, yeah, you need to go work. You need to. Uh, we're created to work. Genesis chapter 2, verse 5 says, When no bush of the field was yet in the land, no small plant of the field had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land. There was no man to work the ground. And then verse 15, God took the man, put him in the garden to work it and to keep it. God took us before there was ever sin in this world and placed us in the garden to work it and to keep it. We don't have record of God doing that to Eve. That doesn't mean Eve doesn't have value. For some of you guys who are just waiting for some kind of something to say, are you telling me? No, listen, I've worked with some incredible women. And women are some of the hardest working people on the face of the planet. Men can be some of the laziest, most excuse-riddled people on this planet. So the reason why I'm talking to men is because we need a lot of fire in our men to add value when we work, to be men of presence while we work, to be men who go all in on our work. The problem is we begin to manipulate our work. God gave us work as a blessing, not a curse. The curse is the labor of work. Genesis 3, sin now enters the world. God gave out punishment to Satan, Eve, and Adam. Satan's was that there will be tension forever between his offspring and, and humans' offspring. Well, that's pretty true because we live in a sinful world. To Eve, he said, I will increase the pain in childbirth. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. There's no tension between man or woman, is there? We can't even define what, what a guy or girl is at this point. So, yeah, there's absolutely tension there. And for the man, he said, I'm going to increase your labor. It's going to be a lot harder to work now, right? We need to be mindful, too, that our work is an extension of who we are. And we're going to unpack this, but I want you to understand this real basic point. There is a reason why your job pays you to work. If you work at a job that doesn't pay you, uh, that's a volunteer role. Get out of there. Okay, you need a job that pays you that you need a job that gives you enough hours to keep your sorry self out of trouble, that gives you enough money to provide for your house, that gives you something to do, gives you a little bit more meaning in life, gives you a reason to get out of bed. You need that. There's a reason why they don't pay you in Chuck E. Cheese trinkets or paper tokens. They, they, they pay you in money because work is supposed to be hard. That doesn't mean everybody at work will be your friend. That doesn't mean the boss will even be nice to you. You know, I shared it recently. I worked at a place where once a year I got a bonus check and a handshake. That's that's the only time I think the whole year I'd get a handshake from the boss or an attaboy or whatever. You know what? Truthfully, I just wanted the bonus check. I, that's what I was after. Listen, you need money. You need resources. If you're doing it in a reputable way, make sure your money and resources are reputable, but make sure they are enough for your home. Not have I found a job that is flexible enough that allows me to have all my hobbies and all my side projects and everything. And then meanwhile, we're struggling to make it. But hey, at least I have flexible hours at work. That, that's not at all what we're called to do. We need to be mindful of how we work because people are watching us. Think about your house. If or when you mow the grass and you come back in, I know you're hot and sweaty and nobody appreciates the mowing the grass. Are you a jerk? Like, are you short with people? Are you mean? Well, they're not going to ever want to mow the grass, right? Do you complain when you take out the garbage? Do your kid, do you tell your kids, I had you guys so you could do these chores and can listen The more you complain about doing tasks and doing chores, helping around the house, doing work, your employment, whatever. And you wonder why the next generation doesn't want to get jobs. You wonder why they don't want to get married and have children. They've watched us complain for decades about how painful it is. 
and you don't appreciate anything I do. You're right. They're 12. They don't. They don't know what it's like to do that. So what? So what? Be quiet. Sack up the garbage. Take it out. Half of it's probably yours anyways. You guys don't know what it's like. You leave all your stuff around. Yeah. Yeah, they're teenagers, and you did too. You did too. You don't remember that, but you did. Listen, you complain about this stuff. You complain about serving. You complain about volunteering. Don't be shocked when your kids don't want to do any of these things. I don't know why they won't you know, get a job. I don't know because you've complained about it every day because you run down your boss because you manipulate your vacation time. Yeah, they're not going to want to do work. They're not going to want to do that. One of the most famous scriptures in the Bible when it comes to work, and we all have this somewhere or have heard this somewhere, you know, Colossians 3, 22 through 24, says bond servants. Let's start with that word. We're not going to get way into this, though, but bond servants, people who are working for someone, a slave or a servant, you go, well, I'm a slave to the clock. The boss doesn't know what he's doing. Well, he's the boss. He figured out something, right? He's the boss or he's the CEO. So so in this aspect, employee, employers, employees, obey and everything, those who are your earthly masters. Now, I don't like to call my boss a master. Well, they still your boss. And we are to respond to him in the way that Paul's going to unpack here, not by way of eye service. So meaning that you don't just do things well when they are around, like slap the seatbelt on when you see a police officer or suddenly get back down to the right speed limit or suddenly you're whatever, right? He says, don't, don't be that person. Don't be people pleasers. Yes, men. It is so hard to respect. Yes, men. And, and, and I don't think you should be challenging your boss every time he has an idea. But have an original thought. Be able to think for yourself. Okay, be a man. You know, I've been around yes men. It is really, really hard to respect them because they'll climb whatever ladder they can climb, meanwhile being yes men. And it's embarrassing. Don't be that guy. But with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Like, really, be a genuine good employee because you fear the Lord, because you see your, your work as part of your worship. Our work is part of our worship. He says, whatever you do, this is the verse we know, whatever you do, work heartily. Ask for the Lord, not for men. Some of you guys might need that written on an index card, like in your car or somewhere before you go into work or in your locker or on your desk or somewhere where you really struggle to remember. Listen, I'm not working for these guys. I'm working for God. I work with these guys, but I work for God. And then he ends with this, knowing that from the Lord, you will receive an inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Men, I want to say this. Work is an extension of who we are. Work is not our purpose, and it should not define us. What you do for a living is not your purpose. Too many men are getting their identity from work. The problem is then when you go home, you see your family, your wife, your children, your responsibilities there as a hindrance from what you would really like to do, what you'd like to do as your purpose. And then vacations are an inconvenience, and, and then you get home, and nobody gives you validation at home like you get at work. And then what happens if your work is your purpose and you lose your job? Suddenly your purpose is gone. You are a lost individual. Your purpose is to glorify God in all you do. Your work is a reflection of that. While work is not our purpose, it's an extension of our purpose. We must see our work as part of our worship and it is part of our testimony. If you tell people you are a Christian and you are the laziest one on the team, what does that say about your Christianity? What does that say if you're talking about the boss behind their back? What does that say when you take every possible sick day, my kid's sick, I think they had a sniffle, anything you can do to avoid work, I'm going to work from home today, right? What happens? If, what, if, what if you're the one that's always cutting corners? 
What if you steal from the company? And I don't mean just products, but I mean time and culture and joy and momentum. What is that saying about your Christianity? It's saying nothing good at all. And then I want to wrap up with this. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8. It says, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Worse than an unbeliever. How are unbelievers described in the Bible? Well, separated from God, going to hell, weeping and gnashing of teeth, right? Like none of these are ever good things. And here in 1 Timothy 5.8, we see that they're worse than an unbeliever. Why? Because they claim to be something, but they're not it. Well, no, no, you're telling me I'm not a Christian. I'm telling you you're not living like it. I'm telling you, if you're intentionally being lazy, if you're trying to find yourself, if you're trying whatever your season of life is right now, and you are not grinding, it says that you are worse than an unbeliever. Man, if you are married, it is not your wife's job to provide for you. She has absolutely no desire to run a daycare for a grown man. It's your responsibility to provide. And if you are offended by that, that probably means that you're not providing. That probably means that you're hoping she does provide. Get a job, get two jobs, whatever you need to do to make the money that your your house needs. If you're without a job, it's time to get at it. It's not time to find yourself, find some rest, start that new adventure that brings in no dollars for the next calendar year, throw yourself a pity party, start new hobbies, pursue adventures that that are going to require resources and, and things that you just do not have. It is time to hit the bricks and wear yourself out with resumes and hustle. I say it often because guys will say, man, how do you do? And and listen, I'm a full-time pastor. I'm a husband of 18 years. I have three children, two girls that are teenagers and a young boy. And I do this on the side. This is on the side. So you find time to do all these things, right? Because it's hustle. It comes down to want to in your life. And that's not to pat myself on the back. That's saying you are without excuse. And if you know grind and if you know hustle and you know get after it, you know how hard it is to respect people who don't do it. You know that you see right through their excuses. Listen, when I was first engaged to my wife and I had very little vision or direction for my life, I knew this. I had to provide. She's a hard worker. My wife is one of the hardest working individuals I've ever been around in my life. She works a full-time job. She, she kills it at home. She leads ministries at our church. She is just go, go, go. We, we coach soccer together. We run, do stuff on Saturday. I mean, just all the t- hard work. But I knew it was my job to provide. I worked two pizza jobs. I don't recommend it, but that's what I did. I delivered pizzas during the day at one place. At night, actually, when I got off work there, I drove straight to the next pizza place started delivering there and I would hand her money. We were renting a trailer and trying to fix it up. Terrible investment. I would hand her cash from the tips and say here, and she would go to like stores and buy paint or whatever it was that we needed for that place. While I was going to school, uh, we were, we were both going to school at one point married and we, we would on, be on the go for at least 12 hours a day before school, after school, night classes, online classes, whatever. And while working, I had a friend that ran a dairy queen. I worked there at lunch at one point, just to get a little more extra money. Just just to provide. You'll be okay. You work hard for a season. You'll be okay. When I graduated college, Bible college, I had two children. My wife was a stay-at-home mom, and I was in full-time ministry. And I drove uh, 
two hours once a week to class. And I took night classes. And I would leave at 3 and I'd get home at midnight. And I had a full-time ministry and other things. So it can be done. It comes down to want to. Now, with this podcast, the guys that work and grind will be like, man, I really really appreciate what you had to say there. The lazy guys will say they're the exception. You don't know what it's like to be me. I don't. But I can tell you what's biblical, and I can tell you what the Bible says. And you don't have to like what I'm saying. Then I'm going to ask you, how do you approach these texts? How do you approach Genesis 2? How do you approach Colossians 3? How do you approach 1 Timothy 5.8? How do you deal with that, right? It all comes down to want to. While work is not our purpose, we got to take some pride, some value in it. If you don't want to be the absolute best at what you do, do something else. You are stealing. You bring your absolute best at work and you bring your absolute best at home. Man, that seems like a lot. Yeah, then you hit the pillow every night and you're exhausted. You're too exhausted to have extra time to get in trouble. You're too exhausted to watch things you shouldn't watch. You're too exhausted to get on websites that you don't have no business being on. You're too exhausted to play 14 fantasy leagues. You're too exhausted to get yourself in trouble. You're too exhausted because you have exerted all yourself and you've invested yourself into your work and to your home. And that's what I, that's what I want to be a part of, right? Our work is our testimony. What is your work saying about you? Once again, man, thank you for listening to the show. We have great potential for influence and opportunity uh, to share the gospel with how we work. Man, I want to remind you, if you go to iTunes, please subscribe. Man, if you would, take some time, leave a review. Um, You'll never miss a Pursuit of Manliness podcast episode. Uh, I would encourage you to do the same with YouTube. You go there and click that little bell at the top. You never miss any videos that are posted, any podcast clips or anything like that. So while you're there, if you go to uh, iTunes, leave a five-star review, man. I I really, really appreciate that. Uh, Make sure, if you would, check out our closed Facebook group. It's facebook.com forward slash groups, forward slash pursuit of mailiness. There's a lot more conversation, dialogue, community, et cetera, in there. There's also other men who are hustling and grinding and, and just challenging one another. It's a really, really good place, and I appreciate that. So, uh, guys, thanks for listening. And, men, let's keep raising the standard on what it means to be a man of God.